What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex and Self podcast, a place where you can learn a little bit about sex and hopefully a lot about yourself. Today, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Madeline, and Madeline's here to talk to us about something really, really unique, but very common. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about sex-related anxieties, and some folks have this prior to having sexual activity. Some folks have this after experiencing some sort of, um, I guess, crossing of boundaries. And Madeline's here to share their personal experience uh, with that. So Madeline, I would love for you to introduce yourself to folks. Hello, it's so lovely to be on here. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, Even if it's not the happiest topic, I'm really glad I can share my story about this. I, uh, my pronouns are she, her, my name is Madeline Zabo, and uh, I have a couple articles in the Varsity, which is the U of T student newspaper that you can go check out um, for more information after the podcast if you're interested. Amazing. So ultimately today we're going to talk about a specific experience or a few encounters that you had, Madeline, and I think it's really important the podcast is a really great place to have really, really positive conversations about sex. But unfortunately, that isn't really the reality that most most folks live with right now um, in regards to sex. And especially now sex in this pandemic world, post-pandemic world, uh, mental health in general has been really, really challenging for lots of folks. Um, And so in your case specifically, um, was there a, a sexual experience or an encounter that made you really want to investigate what sex anxiety meant to you? I think that's really interesting because when I first encountered sex anxiety in myself, I don't think I recognized that that was what it was. I just thought like maybe there was something wrong with me. I didn't necessarily think it was an issue of like, I'm feeling anxious about this or I'm unsure. Um, I think I just assumed like there was something like physiologically wrong with me. The first time I had sex, I was like so tense that it couldn't really happen, which the technical term for is vaginismus, the tightening of the vaginal muscles. Um, And sometimes that can be brought on by trauma or it can be brought on by physiological issues. I'm not saying that right, but you know, Um, you know, the body. I'm doing liberal arts. Um, (laughs) But I think that in my case, it really is brought on and worsened by a certain level of anxiety. And at the time, I don't think I quite clocked that because no one had ever told me that I could be anxious about sex. I knew it could hurt. I knew that maybe like my first time wouldn't be the best. I had seen that depicted, but I had never seen like really like the effect of being anxious about sex depicted and how that So I didn't really do anything about that for a long time. And then actually during the pandemic, I was watching sex education and they display that um, any sex education fans out there, Lily has the same thing. And I was like, oh, she was vaginismus. And I was like, oh, maybe there's like, maybe I'm anxious about sex and maybe I need to look a little deeper into that. And there's a reason for it. And actually knowing that there was like a reason for it. And I wasn't just like, a person who couldn't have sex without feeling a lot of pain or like unfortunately at the time I used to like drink a lot so that it would be easier I wasn't really like feeling in my body 
kind of deal so that I wouldn't quite have to deal with that anxiety. And at the time, of course, it was because I was anxious and I was trying to avoid that anxiety. But I just thought I was like dampening out a part of myself by drinking or trying to ignore that. It's really interesting that you bring that up because I find that when I speak to a lot of folks about their sex education, uh, specifically like femme presenting people or people with vulvas, when we teach young girls about sex, it's like, literally, it sounds like murder. Like, it's so terrifying. It's not pleasurable. It's something that you basically lose, like the notion of virginity, which, you know, is a social construct, but even explaining to people that you lose something once you put a penis inside of you. It's just like terrifying. Um, and it's so scary. Exactly. And and vaginismus is something that's super, super common in vulva owners. And honestly, I'm I'm kind of shocked that it's not. Um, well, I'm not shocked that it's not talked about as much, but I'm shocked that more people don't have it to be completely transparent, just because yes, it is like a physiological response to, you know, your your psycho state, but it's it's also just like how we socialize vulva owners to understand sex. Like who would want that really? Like who would want to have sex with the way we talk to young girls about it? Exactly. And I wasn't even taught, like I was taught that it was so scary, but I wasn't even taught that like I was allowed to have a degree of anxiety around, you know, like you're going to lose a part of yourself. It's going to hurt a lot, but like, oh, the idea that that will psychologically be difficult for you, that's not coming up at all. The idea that like, what we're teaching you now will be difficult for you. That's not even a question. Well, that's like four steps, like beyond <laughs> the bare minimum. And they're not even doing the bare minimum right now. Um, yeah. But with a lot of anxiety, obviously there comes some sort of, there, there's a path to anxiety. Anxiety just doesn't show up, you know, one day for no apparent reason. So what was, what was sex like for you growing up? I think that's that's where everyone wants to go. I think um, I love talking about my childhood. I think it's a lot of fun. But <laughs> I, um, my parents are really interesting people. They've become a lot more sex positive later in life, which is a fascinating road to try and analyze. But when I was younger, they were very, very like anti-sex. And I remember um, my brother and I, we would sit in the back of the car and my mother would sit in the front and she would go, what does sex before marriage lead to? And we would have to repeat poverty and suffering like a little chant. You look shocked. And so I think that like beyond even like, oh, sex might hurt and like you're losing a part of yourself in virginity for Volvo owners, especially, I think for both my brother and I, sex was kind of made to be like, if you do it, you will be in poverty and suffering, like bad things are going to happen to you. And like that was like drilled into us. Um, She's relaxed a lot more now. She's very cool now, my mother. I tell her I'm getting an IUD on Thursday and I've been telling her all about that process. So I have no idea how we got from like that square to where we are now. Um, But I think that growing up that had a lot of effect and I was very worried about that. Were your parents religious? They are. They are not super religious, but again, they were more religious when I was young. And I think something interesting about that and maybe 
people who have been like around during the 2008 financial crisis might relate to this more is I think my parents were more strict and more religious when we weren't doing as well financially. And I think there was a level of financial strain that made them kind of turn to this like fear and worry of being like, we need to turn towards religion. And in that we're promoting a sort of sex before marriage, which is very <laughs> religious. Um, and like, that was the only place they had to turn to. And I think that now they're doing better economically. They're safer in their careers. We we're a pretty young family. My parents got engaged when they were 17. So <gasps> like, they didn't Sorry. get married until we were 21. <laughs> Hold, but, that's still fucked. I know. Um, but so we were a pretty young family and now we're a little more established. So I think that there's like an element of safety where my mom can be like, oh, it's okay. You can have sex. Like things are safer now. There's almost like a safety blanket. But when I was younger, I think there was just so much fear because we were like such a young family. We really had like nothing to go back on. But I think my mom was like, if I, if there's a single misstep here, like the, our entire world is going to crash down. And I think they really took a lot of comfort in religion during that time too, which may have influenced these things. So, yeah. Well, also like the community in, I'm assuming church, uh, yeah. but even any sort of religious community, it's pretty, um, economical to be in those environments it like makes a lot of sense it's not like a super expensive hobby you pick up and it still gives you that sense of community um yeah and it gives people a lot of purpose um and I even think the environment like my I grew up Catholic and my family was I'm sorry active I mean it's okay they were very active in the church but nobody ever told me like you must abstain from sex. However, I took that Virgin Mary hail, like up until I was about 17 years old, I thought that that was it for me. I thought that that made me woman enough. Um, So even just being around that community, I think can definitely affect you. So I guess reflecting back onto this, how do you think that that trickled into your own like sexual exploration did you start doing things secretly uh yeah what was that like I definitely did things secretly and I definitely got in trouble a couple times um (laughs) but uh I, I wasn't good at hiding things I'm not a very good liar unfortunately um but I think it also drove me towards situations that weren't necessarily the safest for me. Um, my boyfriend at the time, when I was like really going through this kind of vaginismus issue and really dealing with so much of the sex anxiety, was not a very nice person. And I think that like in a lot of other scenarios, I might have broken up with him, but there was a lot of pressure from my parents almost to like break up with him because they were so worried we would have sex and I felt like staying with him and having sex with him was like a kind of like a uh fuck you mom you know like that kind of thing so um I think that it certainly like made things a little harder for me but at the same time like those are my decisions they can be influenced by something but like Ultimately, that's my personality too. Like me being a little bit of like a, it's a little petty of me for that to have driven me like that. So, well, I mean, I don't 
to be honest, I don't blame you. You're going through puberty and you're in a very sex negative environment. And we know that fear mongering in relation to sex education has a higher like teen pregnancy rate, STI transmission rate versus a comprehensive approach. So I don't blame you at all. And I don't think like, I don't think it's necessarily like a petty thing. I think it's just a very, very like, first of all, if we look at the science behind puberty, like that shit's fucked. That shit and menopause, (laughs) like let's like not even go there. So like all the things that you're going through in that phase of your life, even if you were 17 or whatever, I don't know how old you are, but even like until out of high school, like your shit's out of whack. So you're not equipped to make healthy consensual, you know, decisions about your body. And like, if you're not taught how to do that, like people forget that comprehensive sex ed includes understanding healthy relationships. Um, And I'm sure that that didn't get brought up at your school. Was that anything, was anything like that discussed? I was very lucky. I went to a very good school. Um, I went to school with Nani McIntosh. But um, (laughs) our sex ed was not, pretty comprehensive I remember we put a condom on a wooden penis mm. so that's oh I learned about that that would be really helpful as I work through my anxieties and my life um but it is important to learn I just think there's a lot more I do remember we did an activity about like what a toxic relationship would look like but I always felt like it was very like bare bones it didn't necessarily deal with like being with someone who's not the right person for you, or maybe you're like not ready to be in that relationship as I think I was in high school, but it was very like, should you stay with someone who hits you? Like very like- Very black black and white. white. Yeah. Which is like not abuse at all. Like it is Mm -hmm. abuse, but it's not the type of like coercive abuse that leads to those black and white situations. Cause you don't just like one day wake up and get hit. Uh, Yeah. It's like a progressive thing of manipulation tactics to keep you like in a cycle of just like fuckery. But yeah, I'm sure that they didn't explain that to you either. No, they did not. And I think too, like, I feel like teachers are scared of talking about it. They're scared that, you know, it'll go wrong or that parents will get angry at them. And I think that's really sad. I could have a whole pot. I could have a whole (laughs) production on that. Um, Yeah, we'll talk after this. But I, I wanted to know, like, so when you started experiencing vaginismus, what was that like for you? Did you have access to healthcare? Did you have access to any sort of support? How was that? Well, I don't think I even knew what it was. I was just like, I remember having sex for the first time. And like, penetrative sex um and he just like couldn't get it in and I was like I like just so tense and so nervous and like I just I was like doing deep breaths I was trying to like open up and I just remember like the feeling that I couldn't like I was just like stuck and it was one of those things I really thought would go away I don't know how explicit I'm supposed to be but I did I remember that weekend I (laughs) like the only thing I could think to do was to like practice it So I went home and I like practiced like putting fingers up kind of like successively until there were more and more. And it actually took me a long time. And that's kind of, I guess, the idea of dilators. I've never used dilators, but I think that 
the idea is you start with a smaller one, then you get bigger and bigger. And those are kind of the like number one recommended um, treatment for vaginismus. And I, I guess I was kind of mimicking that with my fingers without even knowing. It was almost like instinctual. I was like, I think that this will work. It did not work that well. I still had a lot of like tension and uh, I still, and it, it continued for a really long time. I think that there was a point where um, we did, I remember it took us so long to have sex for the first time because I was just so tense. Like it was like a, it was like an hour of just like me trying to calm down enough to like be open like that. And I mean, eventually it did work, but I remember like it was very difficult for me to feel that open. And I think that put a kind of stress on me too, because anytime I knew I was about to have sex after that, I would like spend the day trying to calm myself down, which would not calm me down at all. You know, like I had to spend the day like seeing how many fingers I could stick up my vagina to see if I could, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't think that was helpful um, emotionally at all. And I don't think it was um, good for those days because I certainly did not do schoolwork, but spent them in the school bathroom trying to calm down. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so were you masturbating at all at this time? I was, that's the thing. And I think that's just well, why it's I different. It's recognize... different. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't recognize it was an anxiety about sex because I enjoyed masturbation so much, if I may be frank. Um, read You're in the right article. place. You're talking <laughs> to the right chick. Masturbation. Um, <laughs> how to masturbate on the down low. Um, good article. I, I can't say that, but I'm proud of it. Um, but I was enjoying it so much at the time that I was like, there's no way I can be anxious about sex because I'm enjoying the act of masturbating. Um, I will say I never seem to be able to like masturbate to completion thinking about penetrative sex during that time in my life. And I think now that's a little bit different for me. Um, but I think that's, that's a kind of interesting thing. Cause I think it was so intertwined with like this feeling of pain. Like I remember having sex and like, it hurt so much that I would just like focus on the music and I would like repeat the lyrics in my head. Oh. But but I know the song Moon Dance by Van, I think it's by Van Morrison now very well. Oh my so God, I don't even want to know. Not a good song to have sex to. So. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. How, yeah. how was that experience with a man? Because you explained yeah. that you, 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 you alluded to not necessarily liking said partners. So how was communicating? And I'm sure it was probably frustrating on his end and I hope that he was really good but I also don't have that much hope I think to to give him a good deal of credit he was always very good um with telling me to do deep breaths he always seemed to he seemed to um like really understand on a level I don't think I did that I was anxious about it um and so he would kind of be like breathe in breathe out which I always really appreciated but I think that sometimes I needed to articulate that like, and I needed to realize that I didn't always have to have sex if I was feeling that anxious about it. Like 
but at the time I didn't feel like that was an option for me because I think I felt that if I had sex enough, it would kind of subside. I remember at first I thought it was like, fun fact, I broke my hymen at a water slide at Disney World. And so when it happened, <laughs> when, it was, when I was having sex and it hurt, I thought that maybe it was because I had been so foolish as to break my hymen at a water slide at Disney World. So it's sex ed for you. But oh. I thought that, you know, like the more it happened, kind of the more I'd get used to it. Like it would like start riding a bike, the, the, you yeah. get better, essentially. Like riding a bike. Exactly. Um, which which did not happen. I think that if you're feeling I think there's something to be said for trying to have sex and giving it that effort if you feel ready for that. But I think that especially like in high school, what I should have done sometimes if I was feeling really anxious about it and I knew I was going to have sex is I should have just told myself that if I couldn't do it that day, I couldn't do it that day. Or if you couldn't do it, you didn't have to. Exactly. I think too, when we like why I really push pleasure focused sex ed is because if you're not getting any sort of pleasure sensation and that doesn't have to mean an orgasm it can just mean like a positive feeling like a massage Mm -hmm. like a touch like a caress a kiss whatever then you just don't need to have sex like there's no there's no reason why sex should be painful and it's very very unfortunate that you have to like fist yourself and try and undo (laughs) it to be completely honest like yeah that's what I'm envisioning right now. And I'm like, oh, if I if I saw you in the bathroom, I would have knocked on the door. I would be like, hey, oh, you know, that. <laughs> that means <laughs> it's, it's okay. Also, like, why is penetrative sex the holy grail of intimacy? It's like, not for vulva owners. It like it's, it's not. not. It's never been for vulva owners. It's just because our I like our notion of sex has always been with the penis owner as like the end all be all exactly which is another big issue (laughs) I was talking to my friends the other day about how like a hug can be as intimate as a kiss and I feel like it's a similar idea like there are so many other sex acts and like intimate things you can do that are not penetrative sex well also sex is how you define it right oral sex can be sex anal sex can be sex people who have variations of genitalia are not having penetrative sex so or vaginal penetrative sex like two gay dudes are not doing that so like anyways yeah it's it's a very interesting conversation to have but this is something that people can kind of I don't want to say get over but like overcome and really really you know you can cope with your anxiety and you can reduce it and really figure out what your boundaries are so what was that for you and how did you essentially like have actually like actual willingness to desire sex and to seek that out after this situation I think that recognizing some of the things we've talked about today like recognizing why those things were unpleasant and recognizing that they were actually like bad things and they were not pleasant, I think has really helped me to be like, that doesn't have to be what sex is like. Or I think recognizing that like it is anxiety and that it is vaginismus has actually helped me a lot. Like just putting a name on it and being able to know like what's going on with me 
and like read about it online, honestly. Like Cosmopolitan, fun magazine, maybe don't go for them for all the advice, but once you can type something into the search bar, you're a lot ahead. Um, I think too, like realizing that pen and sex isn't the end all be all and I don't always have to do that. Um, I'm with a really wonderful guy right now and I really feel that, like I really feel that deep level of comfort that like if I don't feel like I can have sex that day, I really feel like I have the option to say no. And I think too, that's an issue of self-confidence. Like what I'm talking about here was a point in my life where I had like no self-confidence. I'm still not the most confident person. Um, but I think I do have more understanding of like my worth in a relationship. And I felt, I felt before my place in a relationship was to like give someone else pleasure. And if I couldn't do that on a level, then I had no worth in that relationship. And so I think, I think realizing those things has helped me a lot. No, absolutely. And also, honestly, kind of realizing that like, some of the roots of where it came from, like the idea of like what my mom told us in the car when we were little and we said sex before marriage, this poverty and suffering, realizing that those kind of aren't real. Um, I feel like that's helped me a lot too. Childhood trauma really does some great things to you. It really does. But oh, also I feel like being on a form of birth control I trust has helped me because I think that's a big part of my anxiety as well is that I... I really want kids one day. I love kids, but I really don't want kids now because I am 19 and not financially stable enough to support another person. So I think that a lot of my anxiety has come from the idea of like, what if I have a baby? And so being on a form of birth control, I trust and like knowing that that won't happen. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you end up going to like any sort of medical professional and was that an experience that was positive for you I did not um I would recommend people would I think that is my recommendation I think you should go to someone and I think that should it snowball for me now to become a big problem I would but I think that I kind of worked through it with like time and talking to myself and unfortunately fisting myself in the water. Um, do it gently. I'm not recommending it. Um, use a dilator. But uh, I think I would recommend going to a medical professional. The thing about that is I find it very hard um, to reach my doctor. And I think a lot of people feel this way. Doctors are kind of, I called my doctor recently and she told me she had no appointments available until 2022. So I think that it's important to have a doctor you trust and can talk to this about or a therapist you trust and can talk to this about. Um, I would not undersell the importance of that. No, absolutely. And that's a really important intersection to also think about just like accessibility and even just, um, I'm trying to find a good word for it, but just like knowing if your doctor's sex positive or not. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I would really love to go to like an old white guy and be like, Hey, my vagina really fucking hurts. Like it, that just wouldn't, it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be it for me. And I know that that's a huge barrier, especially for 
like BIPOC folk who don't necessarily trust doctors um, and even just like getting access to things like that. But I do recommend like if you're going to, you know, full disclosure, if you have or have any symptoms of vaginismus, don't do anything until you speak to a medical professional. Um, Mm -hmm. That is definitely a big thing. But I also think that it's really important to to talk about these experiences because um, and I say this a lot because you know, we might be at a place now where we feel really empowered and really confident, but I think it's really, really important to show your past self a little bit of grace. She didn't know. She didn't have the resources to know. And even as you were mentioning earlier, like, you know, you tie it back to self-confidence and while it could, it could have very well been that I also just think like she was just trying to survive and she was doing as best as she could with what she knew And unfortunately, like she was robbed of a lot of things that she should be entitled to. Um, And it's not her fault. Um, But I'm really, really happy that you're in like a really good space with a really good partner. Um, So for folks who want to like find out more about your experience and kind of learn more about your work at the varsity, where would you send them? I would send them to Madeline Zabo at the varsity. Um, Madeline spelled like the book about the little girl who's in boarding school, um, the Madeline books. <laughs> and uh, uh, you can check out my Instagram, which is Madeline spelled the same way. And then another E-H-S. I'm going to put a link to my varsity articles in my bio. I have just decided that now. Um, you can read a little bit um, about my work and I have an article coming out soon about um, getting an IUD. So that's a that's a good arc. I love that. From. And after we yeah. pause, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I know so you can prepare yourself. But uh, oh, thank you so much. You're so welcome. But thank you oh, so thank much, you. Madeline, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun um, talking about these things, even if they're not fun topics. I It was fun to talk about. Oh, it's all of this is always fun for me. So no I love stress. to gab. I love to just talk. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Madeline. Make sure you check out her pieces at the varsity and we'll make sure we link all of Madeline's pieces in the podcast bio. And that's all. I'm so excited to be back with y'all this season. Season three is going to be better than ever. Make sure to subscribe and like the sex and self podcast on all your podcast platforms. And we have a new Instagram handle. It's at sex and self underscore podcast. There you can comment DM and let us know all your questions for this season. We have FAQs with Felicia are questions that you submit and I answer. You can submit those on our Instagram and also you can apply to be a guest. So make sure to check out at sex and self underscore podcast on Instagram. Make sure to like and subscribe to the sex and self podcast on all your podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.